0: bold and raw perspectives of local politics important information which impacts our community nation and world exposing truth transparency and getting to the heart of relevant issues that you just won't see in the clickbait media and always keeping it real it's the michelle tanner podcast but i won't back down
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to an exciting episode of the Michelle Tanner podcast. So I've had some really interesting episodes over these past few weeks. We've talked a lot about the, quote, bathroom bill. We had Riley Gaines on to talk about her experience. Phil Lyman, who was sponsoring a bathroom bill. Um, Then we had Jamie Mitchell on from the transgender community who shared a different perspective of the bathroom bill. And I'm really excited today to hear more from not just about the bathroom bill. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about today with Goud Maragani. So Goud, he is currently actually running for House District 48 for Utah State House of Representatives. He is also on the state central Committee for the Republican Party, and he is also the chairman of Utah's Gay Straight Coalition. So welcome, Goud. He is joining us via Skype since he is up in northern Utah. Welcome to the Michelle Tanner podcast. Thanks so much for coming on.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
1: Yeah, I first kind of was introduced. I mean, I've heard great things about you. We have some some good mutual friends. And then I came across some of your testimonies online from this recent legislative session from actually several of some of the bills um, going on right now, which we can discuss some of those One of the big ones that I wanted to discuss, because it's actually being voted on this Friday, it's being heard in the Senate committee. So if you're listening to this and you support this bill, I really urge you to be reaching out to your senators and asking them to support this bill. This is HB 424, lewdness involving a child this bill is actually very personal to me. This is being sponsored by Colin Jack. And when I say personal to me, I just mean we've been working on this kind of collaboratively for the last couple of years. And it's a very, very straightforward bill. I mean, honestly, I don't know how anyone could oppose this bill and not look like a complete pedophile. Like that's how straightforward this bill is. And so Goud actually testified at the um, House committee hearing. And if you want to touch on that, Goud, what are your thoughts and feelings on this lewdness involving a child bill?
0: Yeah, I like it. It's actually a really great way to kind of attack these drag shows that are being done for children. And I think you and I probably agree. I don't think drag is appropriate for kids. And as I said in my testimony, you know, I'm I'm gay in case anyone doesn't know that and I've been to a lot of drag shows, but they've been in bars and in clubs and and in adult venues. They are not child appropriate. They, what they present is a sexualized version of a woman, um, an exaggerated version of a woman, and they're meant to be subversive. And so what if you take a child to that, it's confusing. And a lot of times what it's actually doing is normalizing transgenderism to children. Uh, something There's something that's actually changed in drag over the years, and I don't know what happened, but over in the past five years or so, there's been a huge increase in the number of drag queens that have begun to identify as trans and to kind of take that on as part of their identity to talk about it publicly. And so when you go to these drag shows now, it's not just a man kind of making fun of, being a woman to a bunch of, of gays, which is one thing. It's actually a man who now thinks he's a woman dressing up as an exaggerated version of a woman and then performing for people. And I, I just, I don't think that should ever happen in front of children. And this bill does a great job of, of getting at the, at the problems with it, right? Because it says you cannot do simulated sex acts in front of kids that are under 14. You can't, um, I can't think of the right word, but, you know, you can't sensually perform with your breasts, whether they are real or fake. Right. And that gets drag queens having like the breast plates on. Um, So I I like what it did. I will say, I would love a bill that goes further and bans drag shows for children under 18. But um, I think this is a good step in the right direction.
1: Yeah. And I love the points that you hit on. And I've actually I have the bill pulled up right here. So, yeah, I mean, literally word for word, you know, it's banning these type of behaviors um, in front of a child, simulating masturbation, performs an act of simulated intercourse. Sodomy displays the actor's male genitals or prosthetic male genitals in a um, discernibly turgid state, even if completely Uh, or opaquely covered, and actually we have seen that be an issue at a, quote, uh, child-friendly show. Um, so that addresses that issue, um, engages in erotic touching of the actor's nude breast, regardless of the actor's sex or how the breast was developed or created. So, I mean, this is very straightforward. I found it really interesting at the hearing that you spoke very eloquently at that Equality Utah got up and said they were concerned with this language somehow infringing on their First Amendment rights at pride parades. Are they admitting that they are doing these type of sexualized, lewd behaviors in front of children and they see that as somehow a, a First Amendment protected, right? What are your thoughts on that? I was pretty floored when they, they worded it that way.
0: Yeah, I'll address that. Uh, at tom- the, the next hearing I think is tomorrow or maybe it's fr- Is it Friday or tomorrow? It's Friday. I'm, okay, it's Friday. I'm going to address that because I, I went... I was actually in the pride parade in utah in 2022 when i ran for county clerk and my impression is that utah has a very tame pride parade um and here's what i'll say if you cannot have a if you can you can easily comply with this law and have a pride parade that is clean and family friendly and you're actually you have to because they invite children to come to these parades so when i was in it there were tons of little kids watching the parade and i i cannot imagine having the type of lewd behavior that's covered by that by the statute in that type of a parade and i will say i've seen pride parades in other places i don't know if people listening to the podcast have and those can be extreme those would be lewd under this bill
1: Right. Yeah. We've seen pride parades where they've got strap ons. Right. And that would you know, this bill would cover cover that. Um, So, yeah, it's there's definitely a wide range there, which to me, this bill isn't targeting anyone other than saying. Do not perform these lewd acts in front of children, period. It really doesn't matter, you know, what community you're from, what color your skin is, what sexuality, right? It's just across the board. I don't know why anyone would advocate that these should be allowed in front of children.
0: Yeah, and maybe Equality Utah needs to answer that question because I haven't seen the entire pride parade that happened. But if that type of activity is happening, then, then then the parade should be shut down right Um, again like you're doing it on a public street you have an obligation to hold to certain standards because there are children present and it's not appropriate to do simulated sex acts and everything else that's covered by that bill i will say though that i think it's missing one aspect and that is that it does not include i don't think based on how i read it that it would include A man who exposes his tucked genitals because, you know, drag queens tuck their male genitalia to make them look like female genitals. And Mm. so um, I had suggested that they amend the bill to to address that issue. And but I guess we can see what happens in real life. So if this is still a problem, we can always go back and try to amend it next year.
1: What's your thoughts coming from, especially being in Republican leadership on. Some of these Republicans, they have an R next to their name, yet they are donating funds to places like Equality Utah, who is actively trying to defeat Republicans and conservatives and those who actually adhere to the party platform. Do you see that as being an issue here in Utah?
0: It's a huge issue. Um, I, You know, I'm on the State Central Committee, and last year I tried to to censor, get the State Central Committee to censor Amy Winder-Newton. Um, and for those who don't know, she's a she's a county council member up in Salt Lake County, and she's Governor Cox's Director of Families. Mm-hmm. So last year she attended, well, actually well, in 2022 she was endorsed by Equality Utah, right? And what's kind of interesting is that I I'm gay, I'm a veteran, I'm a lawyer, and I asked Equality Utah to endorse me, um, and I did it knowing that they they wouldn't because I I'm conservative, right? And they only endorse people who actually agree with them on policy, so they refused to endorse a gay man, and they endorsed. Uh, a, a white, heterosexual, female, Republican politician, right? And that means that she told them, cause you have to fill out a form in order to get the endorsement. She has told them things that they want to hear in order to get that endorsement and she won't actually disclose what she told them. So first she got their endorsement. And then in 2023, they had this uh, fundraising brunch. And she went and she was a featured speaker at the fundraising brunch where they raised $45,000 and they said that it was going to be used to support candidates that support their agenda. Um,
1: And this is a group, by the way, not to cut you off, but a group who actively promotes legislation that could harm children, actively works against legislation that protects women and children. So, you know, we're not just talking about some organization that's harmless. No, this organization is actually probably one of the largest leftist lobbying groups in the state. At least that's how I see it.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's really bad. I mean, on top of that, Governor Cox has had Troy Williams, the Executive Director of Equality Utah, and a bunch of his leadership at the Governor's Mansion uh, with him and our House and Senate leadership, not the current House Leadership, but with Speaker wilson and uh, and President Adams. they They have these they have there is a relationship there that doesn't make sense when you actually look at the policies that Equality Utah is trying to push. And it's becoming a problem because when you look at the bills that are coming through the legislature on these really important issues, we're not getting a hundred percent of where we need to be, because it, because the legislators go to work with Equality Utah, and then they weaken the bills. Mm-hmm. And I'll just give you an example: the bathroom bill that went through is a great example of that. It you know they passed a, so first of all in Salt Lake County. They were. They have been allowing men to use women's locker rooms, as long as the men are nude but not lewd. And that was, nude but not lewd. That was Salt Lake County. That's how they described their policy. So, um, we tried to get Salt Lake County to to pass an ordinance to ban it, and they and we failed. Even though we have a Republican majority, County Council here.
1: And let's just make that clear. That means that in Salt Lake County in a girl's restroom that according to their policy, it's totally okay for an eight-year-old girl to walk in and see a fully exposed naked man standing there.
0: Correct. And and I can't even imagine how traumatizing that would be for the little girl, how traumatizing that is for the family that trusted the government to make sure that that wasn't going on. Um, it's a real violation of trust. And I think it's actually a real violation of what we owe these kids in terms of their safety and and their innocence, right? Um, After that failed, we went to the Utah legislature and we got HB 257, right? And that's the bill that just passed. But the bill is a compromise because when it comes to locker rooms, they said that once a man gets bottom surgery and an amended birth certificate, he can then go into the women's locker room, right? Um, but the problem is, this causes all sort. This causes confusion. It causes people to ask questions, because now, since you know that men are allowed into the women's locker room, if you see a woman who is more masculine looking, uh, you may ask the question: Are you a man or are you a woman? And and, I, and I'm not saying, and I'm just saying that to say, like, I think women come in all shapes and sizes, right. right? There's nothing wrong with that. But the bill makes it so that we're asking questions we wouldn't need to ask if you would just say, men are banned from women's locker rooms. And if you are going through this issue where you have a mental health problem and you're transitioning, then you need to go and use either the men's room. Or you can use an individual changing room, but you don't get to go into the women's locker rooms because we are acknowledging that that puts women at risk and that's not fair to them.
1: Yeah. What's your position on, and you've, you've brought up a lot of great points and, you know, coming from your perspective and you touched on say the drag show issue and, you know, that's something that down here in St. George, really across the the country, right? This has kind of become an issue of we've we've seen several states pass legislation and go into lawsuits over um, similar legislation. So, you know, one thing that really struck me down here in St. George, it's been almost two years ago now when HBO came in, um, you know, their one of their shows um, and they wanted to and they did. They performed a, a drag show and their show is rated TVMA. Um, that's by HBO's ratings. Right. And they wanted and, and did hold it um, right outside of our children's museum. And, you know, I spoke up and Said, "Hey, I don't think this is appropriate time, place, and manner. I'm not against you holding a show. I, I think it should be done following the proper ordinances that we have in place um, here in the city, and and done in an appropriate time, place, and manner. And and for saying that, it was like, I'm telling you, I had." hate mail, the most vile messages you can imagine from all over the world, because they actually featured me on their episode. They did a little segment called You Might Like It, Michelle. And for me, I was just thinking, how dare they use the LGBT community as pawns for ratings, right? Because they know the controversy is gonna get the ratings. And to somehow make them feel like someone questioning a venue is discriminating or questioning the processes that were done to grant the permit is somehow discriminating against someone for simply their sexuality, which was not the case at all. I saw that as completely using and undermining the LGBT community. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, actually, I think there's a real divide between those of us that are gay, lesbian, or bisexual, and then the rest of the community in terms of what types of policies we want and need. For those of us who are gay, there's no need to have pornographic books in schools, right? They didn't have those when I was a kid, and uh, I still turned out gay. Like, that was just kind (laughs) of, just kind of happened. And, you know, I don't need, I didn't have, you don't need, I don't want drag shows for kids. I don't want my little nephews to be at a drag show. I don't think that's appropriate. Um, We don't need to go into, you know, if you're gay, you have no need to go into the opposite sex bathroom, the opposite sex locker room to compete in their sports. All of this is driven by that TQ plus part of the community. And once you're getting into the T, see like, my argument and some people may disagree and i don't have an issue with that but i think being gay is biological and you know and, and i say that because i can't help who i'm attracted to right right but that tq plus part is a mental health issue and and it's something actually in a lot of lot of cases especially for trans like people that have gender dysphoria with proper treatment or being left alone you can actually overcome it. It's very different than being gay. And so it requires very different types of policies. And I think we don't do a good job of of splitting these and understanding the differences between those of us that are LGB and those of us that are TQ+. And typically what seems to be happening is the LGBs we've been completely hijacked by the TQ plus and the left to push these policies that are anti-family They're anti-child, and they are also anti-religion. They're trying to undermine all these really basic building blocks of our society, right? Um, And it's it's really disappointing to see as a gay man because, you know, I grew up in a house where I had a mom and a dad. It just happens that I turned out gay. Um, But if you looked at my childhood, it was just a normal childhood. I didn't, there was nothing... Uh, there were no attempts to sexualize me as a child or to turn me into a gay man.
1: Right. You mean you didn't need I, to read the the pornographic books in school to uh, feel accepted and valued? You didn't need all of that?
0: No. <laughs> I know. No, oddly, I didn't. And I still, and honestly, I would. I wish there are books that I have read now because when these books come out, I buy them so I can read them and see what they say. And honestly, I wish I could forget some of them because they're demented and disgusting books. I'll just mention if for for people that have read it, Queer," that is a really demented book. I'm 46 years old. I read it and I was disgusted by it.
1: It's so I, I true. Did not
0: find... Yeah.
1: Yeah. I honestly didn't believe, and it's been a couple of years ago now, and someone brought to my attention here a list of books that were in even Washington County schools. And I thought, there's no way. And they're like, no, there's porn in schools. No, not here. And yeah, sure enough, just like you, I wish I could unread some of those books. And I didn't read the whole book, but some of those passages were just horrific that even as an adult and, you know, a mother reading from one of these books in a school board meeting is told, oh, you're not allowed to read that. That's inappropriate. Oh, but it's okay to be on the shelves of our children's libraries. That's okay. But it's inappropriate to read in front of a room full of adults at a school board meeting. Hmm.
0: No, that's a great point. And, and just to go back to your point about Equality Utah, right? That bathroom bill, the compromise was to, was to appease Equality Utah. And, uh, even after it was passed, representative Perucci came forward yeah, and she wanted the Hinckley report. And she said that men can still go into women's bathrooms as long as they're not acting lewd. So I don't even think they solved the problem, but they did all these things to appease Equality Utah. And, and we have a super majority Republican legislature. We should be getting the bills that we want and we need. On this, on. Um, on what you just said with reading the books in the school board meetings. I was at the Senate committee hearing for, I think it's HB 29. That is the latest attempt to get these pornographic books out of schools. Um, Representative Ivory asked for an amendment to the bill that would allow parents to talk about the materials, that would allow parents to talk about these books, right, at a school board meeting. Because he said a lot of times the parents will try to bring it up and then the school boards will shut them down and say it's not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, Republicans voted against that amendment, including Senator Mike McHale and Senator Ann Milner, and they killed the amendment. Wow. So I don't understand it because I'll just, you know, Mike McHale is in like, I think he wants, it was like a 70 30 race, right? It's a Republican district. I just don't understand why we're not getting rock-solid Republicans out of districts like that.
1: Why are these politicians so scared of Equality Utah? Why do they feel like they have to even negotiate? Do they really have that much power? I guess that's what's confusing to me is get through the legislation that needs to get through to really do its intended purpose. And instead, we're passing these watered down bills, which a lot of times are even worse than how we started. It would have been better off without it altogether. And there have been bills even last session that I started out supporting. And by the time they negotiated it through, I adamantly opposed it. By the time it reached the other you know, house to be voted on, why do you think that is?
0: Yeah, I, I think some of it is the Utah way. <laughs> so, Explain the Utah
1: honestly, way because I, I think you are really going to hit it right here, the nail on the head. It's,
0: it's because everybody wants to compromise to seem like they're being nice to the other side. And so an example of that is the bill, it's HB 316. This is a bill that deals with assign where to assign a transgender inmate. Okay, so... I, I went and I gave testimony saying I don't think men should ever be allowed into a women's prison, right? Um, under any circumstances, because what this bill does is it allows the jail administrators to evaluate somebody who is trans. So if so, if a man goes into the prison and says I'm a trans woman, so he's but he's really a man, the prison administrators can can consider different factors and decide whether he should be moved to the women's prison, right? And there are stories of women prisoners getting pregnant and getting raped when they do this. And and so I said, we should never have men going into women's prisons. We'd like the the bill to be amended. And uh, it caused a back and forth with Senator Thatcher. I would encourage people to go and check it out because it's kind of interesting, but you know, it's it's a compromise with Equality Utah, because if you have, if you, because what they'll say is we need to keep these trans women safe because they are at high risk of being sexually assaulted in the men's prison. Well, if that's true, you can solve that by just sectioning off a, a, a part of the men's prison and putting the trans women there. There's no reason to move them to the women's prison facilities, right? And then you go and putting all these women at risk. But but because they work with Equality Utah, that's not the bill we get. We get a bill where we're going to actually put men into the women's prison. And then if a woman gets raped when that happens, there's no consequences for anybody who made the decision to put that man into that prison. And it's my view, if if you're involved in making that decision and now you've created a, a victim of sex assault, I think that you should actually have to pay for it. And that that prisoner who was victimized because of your bad decision making, she should be able to sue you.
1: And does that bill make any room for like such as the bathroom bill, where they made the compromise of okay, if you have removed your genitals and changed your birth certificate, then it's okay. Is there anything like that in this prison bill, or it's just? simply even if you are you know have your full genitals you can still your male genitals still be in a woman's prison
0: um when i read it it's it's a multi-factor test and i don't think that um, genitals is the uh is like a controlling factor.
1: So they, the, the, so the woman could still get impregnated. I guess is what I'm getting at because I'm like, well, if the the junk is removed, I guess that, that takes out that ability. But yeah, there there was that prison, and I'm trying to remember where where it was like three female inmates, you know, were pregnant. It's like, huh? I wonder how that happens, and it was all by the same individual who was, you know, in the woman's prison, but yet wasn't really a woman.
0: Yeah, and, it, you know, it's horrible because we should be, I mean, look, they're in prison because they committed a crime, but it's totally unfair to them, put them at risk of being sexually assaulted by a man because a man who who suffers from a mental illness shows up, decides he thinks he's a woman, and now we put him in with the women and they're, they're put at risk. I just, I think that's really just inherently unfair and... I hope that they amend the bill. I don't think they will because it was a compromise that, that they worked on with uh, Equality Utah. But it is something that, you know, if, if I'm elected, I'll I'll definitely go on and work on. I just I think there are better, easier solutions to this that actually protect women and women's spaces.
1: And what's been your experience as being the chairman of the Gay-Straight Coalition? Um, How did that come to be, and what kinds of things do you work on in that position?
0: Yeah, well, we used to be the Utah Log Cabin Republicans, and then in October, uh, we got a letter from the National Log Cabin Republicans dissolving our chapter, and it was just kind of out of the blue all of a sudden, Um, except that it, last summer i had gotten a call from the national leadership of the log cabin republicans telling me that 17 elected officials republican elected officials from utah had contacted them about the log cabin republican chapter in utah and complained and so wow.
1: i did not know yeah. any of this that's that's interesting
0: yeah and they named two people they named uh, amy winder newton
1: Oh, that's shocking. What? Amy Winder-Newton doesn't like you? What? Who was the other one?
0: uh, Senator Todd Weiler.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, and these are kind of your, uh, these are people that work with Equality Utah to push the trans agenda in throughout the state and throughout our government. And I have been fighting this issue. Um, And so I think they came after me because of that. I'd like to know who the other 15 Republican elected officials are. Uh, Last night, Senator Thatcher in our back and forth said something. Um, He said, he he told me that he didn't want me to engage in the demagoguery that got me disbanded from log cabin Republicans. The only problem is that log cabin, the national log cabin Republicans, they didn't really tell us why they dissolved our chapter. And they definitely never said it was because of alleged demagoguery. So I don't know where he got that, but I sent an email over to the Senate president because I'd like to know if Senator Thatcher contacted the National Law Cabin Republicans, because I think in Utah, we kind of have a problem where uh, elected officials work in the background to try to silence people that oppose them. And I'll just give you another example I just heard about, but uh, Sylvia Mira Fisk is running for governor. I don't know if you've heard of her.
1: I have. Yeah, she's actually recently commented on a couple of my Facebook posts. That's how I know who that is now.
0: Oh Well, that's good. Okay, so she was um, she's been running, asking questions of some of these elected officials, and I think she's running a citizens committee. Um, and she was recently sued by Amy Winder Newton. And I think it's it's because she's going and asking questions. So there seems to be some sort of a pattern where we have elected officials that go after citizens that start to kind of ask questions about what's going on and, and questioning the Utah way, right? I think the Utah way seems to be a surface level where, where everybody gets, like you're, you're in the club if you're willing to go along with bad bills like that prison bill. And and everybody you know if you go to these hearings and I don't know if you've been but everybody they praise each other, yeah. oh you're so great, you worked with all the stakeholders and and then you look at the bill and you see the compromises made and in a again a supermajority Republican legislature and you think to yourself, well, why are you making these compromises? They're undermining the purpose of the bill. So I think when you question that they don't like that. And then they they try to find ways to silence you.
1: Absolutely. I call it the back scratching club and It's difficult for me. I mean, I'm just, you know, here on a a city council level, but even at that level, I just I already know that's not me. I'm not a back scratcher. You're gonna get what you get. It doesn't mean I can't sit down. I mean, like last week, right? I sat down with Jamie Mitchell. I actually think Jamie is great. We had great conversations. I would do it again. I would take Jamie to lunch. You know, I'm not against, you know, loving individuals, having those conversations to try to understand different perspectives and point of views. I also, however, am not going to go compromise my own values and scratch someone's back over here in the political arena to hope that they'll then scratch my back later on when I want to get something done. And that's exactly what we see running rampant here in Utah and why so many people are afraid To speak up, even when they know it's the right thing, COVID was such a perfect example of this where, you know, here we are, like you said, supermajority, Republican, conservatives, people knew the scam that was going on, uh, but yet you heard very few voices during that time speaking up and saying, wait a minute, this isn't right. I mean, how is no one talking right now about the fact that Spencer Cox allowed Utah's children to be masked for an entire school year? It's like people are pretending like this never even happened because we're just going to play nice and scratch each other's backs over here. So I'm glad you hit on that because that drives me absolutely crazy.
0: Yeah, and I, I see this all the time because if we had more people speaking up on this, I mean, you know, I'm a gay man and I'm speaking up on these issues, even though I don't have kids. But um, but I do it because, you know, like I have nephews that I care about, and I do think that we, we as a society have an obligation to work hard to protect kids' innocence, to allow them to have like a nice, normal childhood and to do everything we can to make that possible. And I just wish more and more uh, parents would step up, right? Speak up, be brave. and I, and I know it's hard. I, I do know it's hard. Um, but it would help. It would help us with these with these bills where they're making compromises that are impacting your children. And so, you know, I know recently, uh, there's been these issues with talking about h b eleven, right? That's the bill that was supposed to ban boys from playing girls sports. But what happened is it got enjoined by a court. And when, when they did that, a commission was set up where if a boy wants to play in girl sports, he can go before the commission, and then the commission does, you know, they do some magic tricks or whatever, and then they determine whether the boys should be able to play girl sports. Well, the problem is everything that happens before that commission is secret. We have no idea how many kids have gone before the commission um, how many have been approved by the commission? And recently, I know um, Representative Birkeland said that there were four kids that went before it. Um, but I don't, and I'm not sure that I don't know if the number is accurate or not. But but the problem is when she said that, then Sim Gill, who's the district attorney up here, he encouraged the families of those kids to file police reports because he said the information was secret, and he would he would be willing to go. He suggested he'd be willing to go and file a criminal suit against Representative Birkeland. So now you have a commission that's set up. It's working in secret and no one's allowed to ask questions about what's going on. And I think that's that's a problem, right? Because if you're a parent and you have a daughter, I assume you don't want her playing against boys. What are you supposed to do when that happens when you see a boy on a team?
1: Right. And Nobody, as we've learned, you're not allowed to even question it. There was a father, you know, recently at a sporting event who questioned someone who looked clearly male. I wasn't there. I don't know what this person looked like, but it ended up being a big problem that he would even dare question that. But in today's day and age, why wouldn't he question that? Right.
0: You're right. Exactly. Because, again, we don't have a clear law saying no boys in girls sports if that if the law was that clear so that was that was the original hb11 right before it got enjoined so it's not in effect um, if we had that we would never question it we and and we wouldn't question any girl that looked more masculine any boy that looked more feminine because we would know that's a boy he's in a boys sport that's a girl she's in a girls sport instead we have a law that's not clear that can allow boys to play girl sports, and it makes people ask questions. But and our answer to that is to shut it down, to criticize the parents. I mean, the lieutenant governor actually said, uh, and I have. The, if, if people want to look at these videos, I've been posting them on Twitter, and it's the the Utah. It's at Utah GSC. That's the Gay Straight Coalition Twitter. You can see the lieutenant governor says. It is not parents' job to police other kids. You are not allowed to ask questions. There's a process, but they never say what the process is. Nobody can tell you that what a parent who has questions about whether a boy is playing on the opposing team, what are they supposed to do? What is the process?
1: And how can we really take anything seriously that comes out of a lieutenant governor's mouth who is over elections and then actively endorsing and funding candidates? I mean, talk about completely unprofessional. I mean, in my mind, that's even unethical. I just don't understand how you can literally be over the election process and then out there endorsing and supporting candidates. So I... Want to say, Goud, I so appreciate you being willing to be a voice. And as you mentioned, you don't have children. But yet you still care, like you understand the importance of this next generation. And I think you bring a really important perspective being a gay man. And you probably take more heat than the rest of us, even when you speak out sometimes. So I applaud you for being willing to take those arrows and now running for office. These last this last minute here to wrap up, let people know again how they can support you and where they can find you and contact you.
0: Yeah, if you want to check out my website, it's Goud, G-O-U-D, the number four Utah And then uh, if you want to keep up with me on social media, that would be great. On Facebook, I think it's Goud for Utah. Uh, on Twitter, it's Goud for Utah. And then you can also go and look at the Utah Gay Straight Coalition Twitter, and Facebook. The most active is our Twitter. So that's at Utah GSC.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Any closing remarks?
0: No, let's keep on fighting. Awesome.
1: (laughs) I love it. Let's not keep Utah weird. Let's keep Utah amazing. (laughs) Thanks, Goud.
0: Thanks for being a part of the Michelle Tanner podcast. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share. And always remember to keep exposing truth. But I won't back down. No, I won't back down.